specifically that God would help us, that God would use us to change our hometowns, that God would use us to reach our Jerusalem and our Judea, all of Troop, Hurd, Harris, Merriweather, down into the valley. And we've been praying that, that God would, would open some doors and, and make a way and begin to bring churches together. Actually, I shouldn't say churches, plural, because it's church, singular. It is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a lot, of, a lot of times, a lot of people seem to be hidden behind the signs out in front. But I'm sorry, it's not about the sign out in front. If inside the four walls of that building, they preach that there is one way, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ, that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. That Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. Climbed up on an old rugged cross of his own free will. Dropped his blood all over the ground on my behalf. Picked it up and sprinkled it on the real mercy seat of God for forgiveness of sinners like me. And that is the only way that we can be saved. I don't care what the sign out front says. We are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time for the church to come together as one. 2 Chronicles 7.14 still says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear the, hear the sin, I will hear, from, hear their prayer, forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Yes, the Bible is still true. The Bible is still real. And we've been praying that God would, would use us to change some things in the community. I recently shared with you that I see God opening doors in the community. I see things starting to happen. I see God moving in city officials, and I see things. I, and not only has he given us a, a Christian mayor and a Christian sheriff and a Christian chief of police and a, and a Christian downtown director authority and, and a Christian over Sweetland Amphitheater, God is putting Christians in all these different places, and I see them come together. And I told you recently about a thing called Kingdom Communities that I went to, and I told you about Ms. Wanda Walker and Ori Gary and the ladies that I met and how I saw God move. You remember when I came back that next Sunday, I told you that I feel like I saw the first bud pop out on a tree that is about to reach full bloom, that I believe we're about to see God do something special. Miss Ori, if you'd stand up, she just happens to be with us today. Got her husband with her. I never had a pleasure until today to get to meet him and her and her family. But, but this is, they, they have their own home church, but I do appreciate them being here today. But, but this is real people that I'm talking about. This is real people that God is using and putting like-minded prayerness in each one of us to reach our hometown with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody tell me, why would it matter? Why would it matter to us to reach people we don't even know? Why should we be so concerned about people that we've never met, people that we don't know anything about, people that, that shoot up with drugs, people that lie in the, in the ditch puking all over themselves because of what they drank last night, people that wouldn't come in the shadows of a church if they had to, people that talk about you and I, laugh about you and I, make fun of you and I, people that, that laugh at our God and talk about our Savior, and people like, like our old buddy Ted up there that says uh, that, that Christians, it's just a, an excuse for the weak. Why would we care? Because they're a soul. Because Jesus said we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're supposed to love people unconditionally. The same way Jesus Christ loved me. Without a cause, without a reason. He looked down into the darkest depths of sin and said, I'm going to save that one right there. And we're supposed to be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ doing the things that he's given us to do. 
you know, love is such an amazing thing. This book right here tells us a lot about love, but it's amazing. It, it comes in unlimited quantities. There's nothing you can do or any amount that you can do to get rid of love. It will never run out. You can love people with, with all of your heart. Love everybody around you. Love everybody out on the streets. Love everybody you see and don't see, and yet it'll never expire. Isn't love amazing? You can love your spouse with all of your heart. You can give her everything in you, every ounce of love, he or him. You can pour everything that you have into your spouse and love them unconditionally with everything in you, but it doesn't expire. There's still plenty. You can love your children with all of your heart. You can love them with everything in you, every ounce of effort, everything that is there, and it doesn't cost your spouse anything. You can love your neighbors. You can love your friends. You can love those around you and, and love them with all your heart, but it doesn't cost your family anything. Some of you here, you work in our children's department. You work with the youth, with the young people. You can love the children of Faith Baptist Church. You can love the youth. You can love them with every ounce. You can pour your heart and your soul into them. Pour all your energy and all your efforts trying to preach the gospel, trying to tell them about Jesus, trying to give them everything, but it costs your own children nothing. Several years ago, God broke my heart in 2006 with a group of children in the Lighthouse Children's Home. I've been working with the Lighthouse Children's Home out of Costa Rica since 2010. I'm still on the board of directors. i got to go up to Northern Illinois in about a month for a director's meeting. And I absolutely love the children of the Lighthouse Children's Home. Anybody with eyes can see that I absolutely love the children in this church with everything in me. But loving these children of Faith Baptist Church cost the Lighthouse children nothing. Loving these children and the Lighthouse children cost my children nothing. Isn't love amazing? I, I love this church with all my heart and everybody in it. God has put a love there that, that just absolutely everything in me loves this church. My wife will be the first to tell you I love this church. And I love the people of this church, but it cost my family nothing for me to love this church. And I can love the beggar. I can love the lost. I can love the drunk. I can love the dope addict. I can love the one that's cursing us. I can love the one that's laughing at us. I can love the one that won't come. I can love everybody out there on that street. I can love the ones that's fishing and turkey hunting and playing golf and doing all that they're doing right now. Won't come to church I can love them with everything in me the same way that Christ loved me and it cost this church nothing isn't it amazing and how God gives us love the more you give the more you have the more you give the more you want to give the more you give the more you get back love such an amazing thing this morning our text will be from Luke chapter 10 I want to begin reading here in verse number 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted and said, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? He answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
Jesus answering, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on by the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. When he went to him, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. I want to I bring a message this morning entitled, Who is my neighbor? Father, thank you so much, God, for being so good. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for love. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. And God, I pray will you move right now amongst us, your people, God. Lord, I ask you, would you clean me up of anything, Father, that needs to be erased, removed, forgiven, forgotten. I pray you'd cleanse me in the blood of Jesus, that you might fill me with your sweet Holy Spirit, that your Spirit might do what only you can do. Now, God, I ask you to speak individually to everybody in this place. God, to every different hurt and every different bruise and every different chain and every different problem, God, every different situation, I pray you'd move through this place, God. I pray you'd speak to us, your children, and help us to walk out of here a better servant than what we were when we came in. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a very different world from the one that I grew up in in my day. Things were a lot different. When I was growing up, we knew everybody, not just on our street, but in the whole community. We knew people down the road and on the next road and around the road, and most of them knew me. We probably won't get into why. But, but everybody knew everybody. Most people today, and I say most, it's in everybody, but most people today... If you were to ask, give me the names of five families that live in your subdivision, most of us couldn't do it. Gone are the days when we walked across the street or walked over to our neighbor's house and asked them, could we borrow a cup of sugar? And we spent an hour standing on the front porch just talking. Just, just talking about things, talking about goodness. Most times, to be honest, a lot of it was just talking about the goodness of God. Go back and fix the brownies that you borrowed the sugar for and send them a batch that evening. We all have our comfort zones. We live in a different day. Jesus is telling us that our neighbor is much more than those who just happen to be in the house next door. Our neighbor is everybody around us. We, we have our own little circles, our, our own things that we like and that we don't like, and we really don't like anything that is outside of our circle. It's okay to say amen at Faith Baptist Church on Sunday mornings. It's easy to get caught up in our own little world. We go to work the same way every day. We stop at same certain gas stations. We shop at the same certain grocery stores. We, we go, if we go to Walmart, we go in or out the same door. It's just everything we do, we maybe have the same thing for lunch, or at least we eat with the same group of people, and we never want to venture outside of our little circle. But one day, we're going to stand before God, and we're going to stand accountable for this life that God has given us. And God's going to want to know, what did you do with the life that I gave you? How many times did you step outside of your comfort zone? Do you remember all the times that I told you to go to work a different way? Do you remember all the times that I told you to go up and witness to the cashier there at the gas station? Do you remember the time at the grocery store when I told you to pay for the meal or for the food for the person in front of you? Do you remember all the times that 
that I spoke to you. But you were so caught up in your own little world. Do you remember the time? There's going to be a reckoning day. Even for the Christian, there's going to be a reckoning day. We're not going to lose our salvation. But some things are going to hurt. Amen. I want to look here at this story we call the Good Samaritan. There's a lot of things that we can learn here. A lot more than I can point out right here in the next few minutes. But we'll give it a shot. We see that this man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he, he comes across this fellow traveler who's been beaten and robbed. And, and if you study, you'll find that this road's about 40 miles long, and this is a passage where several hundred priests travel it all the time. There's a big feast goes on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because it ain't about that road. It's more about the story. But this road was traveled a lot, and it was actually called the Bloody Path. Because robberies and murders happened on this road all the time. So it wasn't uncommon. So you get all these priests traveling this way. And we see a couple of religious figures right here have already passed by. And they just closed their eyes to the problem. They saw the man with their eyes. But their heart of compassion was closed off. They just left the man laying there. I'm sure as they walked, they probably rationalized and reasoned among themselves. Wouldn't you think? I don't even know who he is. For all I know, he's got more money than I got. <laughs> he's just trying to trick me into stopping and giving him something. Well, he's holding out that sign that says, need help you all to get up and get a job. Can't be all that bad. I'm sure they reasoned among themselves. I'm sure they had their, their own stuff. Well, he ought to stay away from bad people, and he wouldn't be in the shape that he's in over there. Now, man, I ain't got time to stop and fool with that. I got a meeting I got to be at. If I stop and help him, I'll be late for church. Oh, oh. I don't mean to go to meddling. I'm sorry. The Samaritan, he saw the man. The Bible says he had compassion with him. He saw him with his heart. It says that he bound up his wounds and he took him to a safe place. Do you know what's interesting to me about this story? I'm sure everybody in here knows this story. Everybody here know this story? You know this story? So somebody tell me, what do we call the story? The Good Samaritan. Everybody knows the story, right? It's the Good Samaritan, right? What's funny to me, Jesus never called him that. Jesus never called him good. We call him the good Samaritan. Jesus just says he's a certain Samaritan doing what every man ought to be doing. Amen. And he doesn't say anything good about it. So when Jesus is questioned by this lawyer, he's simply telling us that each one of us need to get out of our own comfort zone. We need to get out of our own little circles. We need to get out of this, and we need to get out where we can help those that are in need, not just those in financial help, not just those that are hurting, but those that have spiritual needs. Yes. We're supposed to be the hands of Christ. So number one, when we look into our community, we need to see the need. The story shows us a process of loving or not loving. Loving is a choice. Helping is a choice. It begins at the moment we see somebody. You see that the priest saw the man, he saw him with his eyes, and he chose not to love him. He chose not to help him. He chose not to be a neighbor. He chose not to do anything to help that man out of his situation, physically or spiritually. We see that the Levite came by, had the same results. He just saw him. They had, they had no concern for their fellow man. Today, you and I drove by dozens of people to get to church. We drove by people who were hurting. We drove by people who were sick. We drove by people who were broken. We, we drove by people who are hungry. We drove by people who are in need, and we drove by all of them so that we could get to church to pray for those that are hurting. Sure, they get quiet on a Sunday morning. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? James says in chapter 2, verse 15, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? You tell them, Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you to be warm, and I'm praying for you to be full, but I'm not going to give you a coat or a piece of bread. Then what have you done to help them? That's what the text says. So we pray for those who are in other countries. We, we do mission trips, and y'all know my heart in missions. Y'all know I believe four, Philippians 4.19 is the promise of the church that takes care of the missionaries, takes care of the anointed, takes care of the singers, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, which is in Christ Jesus. I believe that's only to the one and only to the church that takes care of the anointed and the missionary and those that go. That's why we have over 90 missionaries on the wall over there. I do believe that missions are important. And I know in this church we pray for those in other countries and when we go on mission trips we come back and we we talk about how how everything has changed and how how everything over there how poor they are and how different they look we, we talk about how they don't have anything compared to what we have and and how unfortunate they are yet we did nothing today as we drove by those who are so much less fortunate than we are who have so much less than we have We've been around them in town all week. We've been praying for those in other countries, in countries like China and Red China or, or Iran, where all the places where the gospel simply is not preached. And we talk about the 286 churches in our county, and they don't even have 200 churches in an entire country. And we pray for those that never hear the gospel, and we pray that somehow God would reach them over there. And then we work around and walk around and talk around people all week long, and we tell them nothing about the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us. The story shows us here it's not wrong to pray for those in need. But we're supposed to look with a, a heart of compassion. We're supposed to see those around us with more than just our eyes. But, but then we're not only to see the need, we're supposed to feel the need. The Bible says in verse number 33, the Samaritan saw him. He had compassion on him. He, he felt his need. Too many people today, and, and me included, I never exclude myself out of it because I'm the one God gave it to. So obviously the problem is me. But that's okay. I'm going to get to share it with some of you just in case you happen to fall over here in my little world. Yes, a lot of us get too preoccupied with our own lives. Yes. Too caught up in our own business. Too busy taking care of our own affairs. Too comfortable in our own ways and, and taking care of things in our own little world. We, we get caught too much in self to stop and pour anything into others. It's a choice. It's a choice to help. It's a choice not to help. It's a choice to love others. It's a choice not to love others. It's a choice that's made in the heart. We see people with our eyes. When we see them with our eyes, we're going to do one of two things. We're going to love them with our heart or condemn them with our lips. The Bible says here in verse 34... That he went to the man and he bandaged up his wound. Can I tell you, the Samaritan took a big risk going over to help this man. The same risk was involved that was with the priest and the Levite. Maybe the man is dangerous. Maybe he is putting on her. Maybe there's others in the woods. Maybe the ones that robbed him are just waiting on somebody to stop by and they're going to beat them up. There's a, there's a risk taken here. There's a big risk. But when, when God's people take risk, it is the hand of Christ extended. 
when God's people take risk, it is the kingdom of God advanced. It is the kingdom. You look in the Bible, it's full of risk. Abraham had to take a risk. Leave thy father's house and go into a land which I will show thee. He had to leave everything he ever knew, everybody he ever knew. He had to go into a place that he didn't know anything about. He just had to go because God said go. Yes, sir. He just, he, he just had, had to be there. He had, had to take a risk. Moses had to take a risk. Moses has escaped from the slavery and the bondage of Egypt. He's, he's gotten out from over there, and now here he is over on the backside of the Midian Desert, and he's living with his father-in-law, and he's doing just fine. He's taking care of all the herds and the flock, and he's got a pretty life going until, until God shows up. Now, first, Moses has got to make a choice. Am I going to say yes or no to God? But if I'm going to say yes to God, I'm going to have to take a risk. I'm going to have to go back to a place that not only represents the world, but I'm going to have to go back to a place where I'm wanted for murder. Mary had to take a risk. Mary had to believe an angel that says, you're going to be found with child. She says, but I ain't never been with a man. I ain't very smart, but I don't know how this works. You're going to believe the Holy Spirit or not? Mary had, Joseph had to take a risk. Let's see, my fiance is pregnant. I know it ain't by me. So I got to take a risk. I got to believe that this angel knows what he's talking about. Amen. This one that's talking to me, that tells me that, that my fiance has a child that is conceived of the Holy Spirit. I got to take God at his word. See, that's that same still small voice that speaks to you and I. It's that same one that tells you and I to stop and help somebody. Sometimes you just got to be willing to take a risk. If you believe that God's given you something to do, sometimes we just got to step out. The Samaritan had to take a risk. He had to step out of his comfort zone. He had to do something to help somebody in order to be a blessing to somebody who was in need. He could have passed by on the other side. I mean, after all, all the church people did. He could have just kept on walking. He could have looked. He could have sneered. But he didn't. He saw the man with his heart. He could have bandaged up the wounds and left him there in the ditch, but he didn't. He bandaged him and, and put him on his own beast, and then he carried him to a safe place to get him out of harm's way. Kind of like another story I know of. When you and I were beaten and battered in sin, left for dead and on our way to hell, and Jesus stepped out of his comfort zone, stepped down off his throne, Stepped down out of glory. Come down and suffered. He took some risk. He come down and laid it all on the line. Suffered all the temptations that you and I suffer. Went through everything. Chose to die just so that he might resurrect himself. So that he might give you and I life. And then he saved our unworthy soul. Anybody know that we're an unworthy soul? Anybody know that's called grace? Anybody know that's called mercy? He came down to a place and he gave us something. Washed away all of our sins. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Gave us a brand new life. He put us here in the church and he said, take care of them. Here's a little bit for now, but I'm coming back. And when I do, I'm going to settle all accounts. He's coming back. The Samaritan was just doing just like Jesus. He was just taking care of the one in need, saying, take care of him, and I'll take care of all expenses. I'll settle all the debt. 
I'll cover everything that needs to be done. I've got it all on my tab. It won't cost you nothing. I covered it all. After telling the parable, Jesus asked those around him. He said, tell me, which of these three men was a neighbor to the one that fell among the thieves? Naturally, the response, he that showed mercy. The one who showed mercy, that's the one that was a neighbor. Jesus said to him, God recorded it and said to us, then go and do likewise. It is our job as Christ. We are the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not just something, something casually. It is our job to reach that community. It is our job to reach out to those that are hurting. It is our job to reach out to those that are broken. It is our job. Listen, it doesn't matter what's out there. The Bible says, of such were some of ye. That means some of them are out there drug addicts, so were some of us. Some of them out there alcoholics, so are some of us. Some of them out there buried in all kinds of problems, all kinds of things, so, so were such were some of ye. But you have been washed. You have been cleansed. We've been sanctified. It means to be set apart from the things of the world. But we've been set apart from the things of the world that we might go out and reach the world. The hands and feet of Christ. There's a community all around us that needs it. If there's ever been a time when people see, need to see the love of Christ, it's now. They need to see Christians loving Christians. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. What's number seven? He that soweth discord amongst the brethren. There's no place for that in the church. They need to see Christians loving Christians. They need to hear us on Monday morning talking about the old paths was here Sunday. Man, you should have been at church. Lord showed up in the house. People was at the altar. Power of God moved. They need to see Christians talking about, man, I was in church Sunday, and the Lord really did some stuff for me. Lord lifted some burden. I was in church on Sunday. I answered something the Lord told me to do, and on Monday, God did this for me. I'm telling you, it's the time they need to see Christians loving Christians, loving the way we love God. They need to see Christians loving people. They need to see Christians loving that world out there. Do, do you know the devil can give them every excuse on the planet? The devil can, can give all kinds of reasons to them. They can explain a lot of stuff. They can explain away a lot of stuff. You know the one thing that they cannot explain? Why you love them for no reason. The world can't explain why you love them just because. The world can't explain why you love a drunk. You know who the world can't stand? Holier than thou. Goody two shoes. They even in church on Sunday. I don't fellowship with them. I don't have nothing to do with them. Come in and, and condemn them for all their faults like we don't have any. I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want everybody, if you would, to stand. And I want all as many as will to come to this altar. And I want to pray for this community. That God would reach this community through us. I, I want to be a part of it. I don't want to be all over it. I just want to be part of it. I just want to be included in the number. I just want to be one of the ones that God can use. One of the ones that, that God can use to touch others, to reach others. I just want to be part of God reaching out to a lost and dying world. I, listen, I was out there. I, I'm, I'm like the testimony a while ago. I grew up in church. 
I grew up in the old Pentecostal church. And as soon as I got to college, I ran as hard the other way as I could. Until one day I ran into Jesus. He, he made a way out of no way. And he saved my soul. And I want to tell the world now there's a better way.